It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. You can find the show on flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hello, Gordon. How are you doing today? Doing good. Another day in the books, another pod coming up. I look, I'm looking forward to this one because seeing what happened yesterday on the track at first was like, ooh, this is amazing. And then when you dive a little more deeper into the results, you think this is hilarious because I can't believe this is what track and field is doing in 2020 that Nike athletes are flying across the country in the middle of a pandemic to jog 250 meters, 300 meters, 150 meters, 60 meters to jog slower than what I could do. In, in a 300. LaShawn Merritt ran a 53-second uh, 53 300. And at first I was like, maybe I'm not in shape. That's that's a 70. That's a 70-second pace 400. That's, what, that's mm-hmm. what LaShawn Merritt, one of the greatest 400-meter runners of our time in the U.S., flew across the country. on some. Someone paid for it. I'm not sure who paid for it. Did he pay for it? Nike paid for it? Did Mikey give him money to go jog? A 53 second 300. I don't know, but we can talk about it. I'll, I'll, let's I'll let you start it off. Okay. No, no, well, let's, let's, let's start. We'll, we'll start with the positive. Okay. No, no, no. Let's start with the ridiculous. Let's start with the ridiculous okay. and then go go backwards and work to the positive because this was truly, truly astounding here. I The first I saw of it was PJ Vizel posted on Twitter and he said, Hey, if you're wondering why there's all these crazy slow times from this meet in Texas, it's because Nike athletes need to hit a minimum threshold of races in a year so a lot of them just went to this meet and ran everything and i said well how slowly did they actually run and then i looked at the results and i saw yes 53 second 300s on there i saw 250 meter times of which case i don't even know what a 250 meter time is like what is a good 250 meter time i saw people entered in four or five events i don't understand isn't the whole point of having a minimum threshold of races meaning they want you appearing in meets so that way you generate publicity to you and the company you represent. What is the purpose of doing this if you're going to fly out to the middle of Texas in a meet that nobody knows about and you're going to jog five times? Who does that benefit? I don't understand this at all. Well, I just don't understand that Nike, that there's not a single person in this thousand-person company thousand plus people. I don't know how many people work for Nike, but how many people are in the Nike department that deal with the contracts that these athletes have? I'm sure it's like a 
couple people. Maybe one person is probably in charge of all the Nike U.S. contracts. And I'm sure someone could have, he could have sent an email. Hey, guys, I know this is a weird-ass clause, but because there literally are no meets, you guys are good. Or mm-hmm. maybe instead you have, to have, you have to run 10, you have to run three. Go find, a, like, a legit meet and go run that. Yeah. You know, is, I mean, this is very Nike of Nike to do because, I mean, they do this a lot of time with Prefontaine where there's times when Nike athletes run Prefontaine injured because they have to show up to Prefontaine, mm-hmm. the Nike meet, in order to make sure they don't mess with their contract. A lot of, not just Nike, but a lot of schools, not school, a lot of uh, companies, what do you call it? Um, companies force uh uh these pro athletes to compete at usa's on off years right yeah you remember yeah, you yeah. See a lot of time during off years they all run the first round and then they're like done it's because mm-hmm. they have to do it for their contract and i yeah. get the the spirit of nike trying to tell your athletes hey you can't just take our money and sit on your ass all week all year long and not do anything you need to compete and that's the purpose of the rule but I feel like there's times, like once every hundred years, where there's a pandemic, where you can kind of change the rules. Maybe we need to update yeah. the little clause in case of there being no sports. You you don't need to you yeah. don't need to, you don't need to do this. Was the contract written in with a typewriter? Is that why they couldn't go back and edit it and throw in an addendum, throw in an amendment, do something that says, "Hey, you don't need to actually do this," because all it does is make them look silly it puts the athletes in a weird position because as we know right track and field athletes they're a resourceful group they're an industrious group they know exactly how to budget their energy by the time they're professionals and they know exactly what to spend their time on and what not to spend their time on and how to prioritize it so if they know that this is not a serious endeavor they're going to do what most of the athletes did yesterday which is go out to the middle of texas and run four or five events and jog through all of it. I don't I want to know how this thing came together. Who's the one who spotted it or knew about it in in the contract and said, "Hey, everybody, we're going to meet in Fort Worth, Texas on July 20th and you're going to knock out half your races." I know there's another meet coming up on Thursday at Prairie View, which is also in Texas. There's some odd events there too, so I wonder if they're doing five on Monday and then knocking out the other five on Thursday, and then they're good for the year, and that's it. Are they holding? If they're holding them to the race number stipulations of their contract, are they also holding them to the times? Right, because a lot of people have reduction clauses in their contracts related to to, to these things. I mean, this is it's almost beyond belief that this would actually be something that happens within the realm of professional sports in 2020. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not sure if Nike contracts have, like, time reductions, do they? I, I thought it was always just, like, team reductions or, like, qualifying. Perform, like, yeah, all performance. Th- like, uh, rankings, right? Yeah, you got yeah. up, whatever, but I don't, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, also, Nike's probably in a weird pickle. I like saying the word, in a pickle, because I'm sure there's a lot of athletes that Nike wants to drop after this year. Because, you know, they always have more than they need, right? And there's always cream that rises to the top and former cream that is now sour that you don't want to pay for anymore, right? Very strange wording there. Go ahead. uh, Like, so, like, there's always athletes who lose 
sponsorships because of perform like just they're not as elite as they were when they first signed the contract. So I'm sure Nike and Nike's probably always trying to save money, especially right now, right? They're not selling as many shoes because there's no shoes to sell. Maybe they're looking. Maybe, I mean, how does Nike drop an athlete with when there's no season for them to justify dropping them, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure yeah. there's like that weird element too. I'm not trying to be in a Nike apologist, but I'm sure there was probably like, I'll make up a number, 20 athletes that they knew after the Olympic trials, they'd be like, all right, Olympic trials happened. We saw, we knew you guys weren't going to improve or keep your status level. You're done now, right? But now they don't have that. They got to like pay for them to through the entire fall and through the entire, you know, winter. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know. Well, no, why you could still drop them. If, if they're sticking to the letter of the contract in the 10 races a year, they're probably sticking to the letter of the contract in if it expires in 2020, it expires in 2020. But this doesn't That's help true. you either way. Having them go run this meet, it doesn't help the athlete, doesn't help the, the sponsor at all either. Uh, I do want to give a shout out. Michael Cherry wins that 250, which is awesome. And for the women, Kyra Jefferson, the – AP Ranch High Performance Invite Number Four 250 Meter Champions. That's uh, amazing. Was it a meet record? Uh, I think it was a meet record, right? It says Invite Number Four, so I don't have the times, Gordon, of AP Ranch High Performance Invites One, Two, and Three. So uh, I know you know there's a lot of stat stat nerds out there in the track and field world. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Women's side of things, though, for you had uh, Brian <laughs> McNeil. She ran the fastest. Uh, 150 in history, 1641. So I was like, oh, wow. And I was looking at these results, Gordon, when I first looked at them, I thought, oh, okay. Um, man, she, she ran faster than a lot of some big names here. But then I read afterwards about how people were jogging it. Um, of course, that brings us to the 100, where there were at least a well, few before, people. Oh, go ahead. Before, before we get to the 100, we got there's all, the ridiculousness of the meat was not just the random people. I mean, it's good. even though there was ridiculousness, there still were like star performers. Like we talk about, we'll talk about Norman later. But like, you see Corey Carter's Instagram? <laughs> I did see JoJo's post of Corey Carter's yeah. Instagram. She wore a different <laughs> outfit for every single event. That's awesome. Lean into it. I love it. But that's the thing. Everyone at that meet was leaning into it. It was like a giant joke meet for all these people, which is like, yeah. They all were embracing the ridiculousness of it, right? They weren't even trying to hide it. At least, I mean, this happens in our sport a lot. Iona, you know, do you know what Iona does every year in December and in like January? Their entire cross country team does like a 60. They throw the shot put, they do a triple jump. They do that because they need to create a meet in order for have like a minimum meet count to meet NCAA regulations. So, and, okay. and Iona doesn't have the ability to like have shot putters on their roster, so they need to create a field. So they have their cross country team basically do a decathlon indoors in order to count it as an official NCA meet because you need to have a certain number of meets in order to like start practice. You know, like you know, everyone needs to have that December meet so they can start training early. It reminds yeah. me of that, of like these weird rules where no one wants to really put a. Like none of these athletes want to run ten hard races, so they're gonna do ten jogs in a three day period. 
I just think it's well. Our not not Michael really Cherry. I'm I'm di- I'm digging into Michael Cherry's performance. I think even though Norman runs 986, Cherry's the MVP because he also won the 300 by six seconds. He ran 33.86, so he won the 300 and the 250. In every one of these events, there's like one person it looks like, and I didn't see it. The only video I saw was from Michael Norman's race. Uh, outside the 100, it seems like everybody, at least one person in each event took it serious and ended up winning by a whole bunch of time. And then like he beat he beat LaShawn Merritt by 20 seconds in the 300. That's a lot. I also think it's funny, yeah. like looking at some of the results, and like some of them are like kind of close, right? Like Justin Gatlin wins heat two of the three hundred, but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ryan Benjamin was kind of close behind him, right? There was like he runs forty two seconds, but then the rest of the field runs forty three. So was there like a little bit of a surge in the final fifteen meters for Gatlin? Is like I yeah. got I got to get this dub. McNeil also won the won the sixty too, so she she doubled up as well too. What's the difference though? If you're the Sean Merritt, what's the difference between running a fifty three for a three hundred and a forty three for a three hundred? I just assumed his job was forty three. <laughs> yeah, like he the wanted to make guy. it very clear. Yeah, he wanted to make it so clear. I'm not trying at all because I'm gonna run a fifty three. No one will ever mistake this for a a, a real effort here. Men's 60, yeah, Gatlin did get the win, 6.84 for Gatlin in the men's 60. That's, it's not a jog. It's not a jog. Um, are there any Merritt marks that, that like, 806. are there any marks that look like they tried? And you're like, uh, like, I'm trying to find someone who, like, looks, has a mark that's like, you kind of put a little bit of an effort in that one, but you didn't, you didn't win. Like, who, who would have that? I'm trying to find the win. Well, the, no, you see, no, nobody in the in the women's hundred. Everybody's everybody. No one broke. Oh, that's not true. Eleven fifty six was the fastest time Shakira Richardson ran. Eleven fifty six with a plus two point seven. So she was she was jogging. I want to know everything about this meet. I want to do an oral history on this meet. I think this is my new project for the next three months. Like this is fascinating to me. It, it was only a couple hours away from us in Texas. I regret not getting in the car and driving down there. Because I want to know what they were talking about between events. I want to know the thought process between the 53-second 300 or the 43-second 400. And I also want to know what was going to Michael Norman's head when he's like, yes, this is my opportunity. Everybody else is treating this as a joke. And I'm going to run a historic 9.86, which makes me the second person ever to be in the 10-20-44 club. So – that was the headline, right? We saw that time first before we discovered all the all the shenanigans that were going underneath uh, underneath the surface. But 986 for Norman, even under these strange strange circumstances, you know he got he got something out of it. He ran a bunch of events, yeah. but he got a 986, his first hundred in four years. Talk about how he's in that sub 10, sub 20, sub 44 club. One of two, him and Wade Van Eekerk. If you go. Mm-hmm. Another second higher to make it a sub forty-five club to kind of you include two more people. That means you get to include Tyson Gay and uh, Calvin Smith. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like one time. I, one thing I was trying to figure out is like how do you like decide who is the best one through four, right? Because Usain Bolt's run like a forty-five second PR, right? 
And then Michael Johnson, I think, is run like 10-1 or 10-0 or something like that in the 100. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. there's different ways you kind of can rate the who is truly has the greatest range. Um, but, dude, 986 is not just like a, oh, that, that's like a good time. It's like 986 is a time where, like, you could just call yourself a 100-meter runner and be like, yeah. that's what I'm – that's like that's a Christian Coleman time. Like, that's what that yeah. is. Yeah, and it's not a time you run well, we, when you're training in the 400 meters. Yeah, when you well, he's good at debuts. We know that he's good at opening his season. That's the way he did last year. Now, last year that was in April. This year, yeah. opening the season at the AP Ranch Invite Number Four, where in the middle uh, of July, a bit a bit different circumstance there. But you run 19.7, you're gonna be really good in the hundred, and he just hasn't done it in four years i wasn't altogether surprised by by the time just because how fast he is at 200 it was more surprising to me to find out man we never really even asked what michael norman's 100 pr was we never really inquired about it because he never ran it at you know in in, in a big meet when we were watching you have to go back to to high school when he was really running the event so i like this stat that you brought up too I'll mention it here too. Male athletes with a top 20 all-time mark in three different Olympic events. Bekele, Gabriel Selassie, Carl Lewis, and now Michael Norman. That's a cool stat. That's a good club too. That's like three um, all-time greats you're involved with. And you're, you're, you haven't even hit the pinnacle of your career yet. And you're already in that category. Yeah. What I want to see, before people go crazy about Norman running the 100, which... I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to stick to his 400 plan and then maybe run the run the 200 depending on his availability and schedule. I would love to see him, though, in a Diamond League 100 at least once. Yeah. I would love to see him in that, in that sort of event just to see if he can do it again in a, a higher-pressure situation. Not to say that the AP Ranch invite number four wasn't high stakes, high pressure with everything on the line. Uh, you literally had to check a box to say that you ran. Um, it's like going to a meeting for work and you just you sign in your name at the front and then you go and you, you sit in the back. Um, I, I, I would love to see him do it in a race with with Lyles, right? With Coleman, with another big gun. Um, his teammate, though, his training partner, Ry Benjamin, you're going to have to create a club for him because for a 400-meter hurdler to run 10-0, that's pretty good, too. Yeah, he's probably the only one who's ever done that. I, I I even bothered looking up. I mean, not many people run as fast as he does in the 400 hurdles anyway, let alone have a, a second event. But Ryan Norman, Ryan Ben, excuse me, Ryan Norman. <laughs> like oh, you create a super a super track athlete. <laughs> Ryan Benjamin, you know, he kind of doesn't. He kind of gets the second fiddle a lot because his event isn't as marquee, and he his training partner is Michael Norman, who is you know the star of the 400. But Ryan Benjamin, man, I think if you just do, if you took away the 400 hurdles and he just focused solely on the 400, yeah. maybe Ryan Benjamin is you know competing there with Michael Norman as one as the best 400 meter runner in the nation with Fred Curley. I mean, Ryan Benjamin had the best like four by four split in at, at USC when they ran the US indoor record. I believe mm-hmm. wasn't he yeah. the one with the best split? Yeah. Yep, so, yep. 44 yeah, 3, 44 3, 19.9. He also ran 20.3 indoors for a 
for a 200, which is really good. Now a 10.03, and of course, his 46.98 forming hurdles. Yeah, there's very few people who you could take away their primary event and they would still be world-class in something else, especially when that primary event is a hurdle event, something that requires technical expertise. And and Benjamin is one of those people. Yo, check this out. Talked about before you mm. started the pod. Could the U.S. put together four guys who could win the Olympic 4x1 and 4x4 in the same meet? I think they could. Yes. Yes. I think you do. Par- so who, Holloway? Who, who are- Holloway, okay. Obviously, Lyles now. Obviously, Norman. And then Benjamin. If 10.03 is your slowest guy in a 4x1, you're going to be good as a, as a relay team. We get used to looking at this through the lens of the United States, but outside of the United States, how many people have four people with under 10 second personal bests on the line in the relays? Jamaica did for many, many years, but that's changing. So I think the U S would do it. And then in the four by four, obviously Benjamin was on the team last year. And Norman was on the team. Uh, well, no, Norman got hurt, but he would have been on the team. But yeah. um, Holloway, we've seen it at Florida, what he can do. Yeah, and he, then, split 40, he split 43-7 at Florida. So if you can split 43-7, you're good. <laughs> here and then, and then, yes, Lyles, of course, we saw that 300-meter time trial. He ran 400s in high school. And listen, if you run, just like what I said, if you run 19-7, you're going to be fast in the 100 just by default. And if you run 19-5, you're going to be fast in the 400 if you try and you put a little bit towards it. What's it going to take, though, to get Grant Holloway on these relays? I think he's going to actually have to run some open ones and some open fours to get on these relays. I, yeah, I don't think – I mean, I think it's – he mentioned it. It's always political because whoever's the relay coach, it's all about like, hey, no, this is – you know, this like legacy to it once you're like a vet. They're like you. You're not gonna like take away a vet's spot in those in that top six for a new guy, right? I think it would take mm-hmm. a big change. I mean, I think you need Gatlin Rogers to kind of retire bef- to open mm-hmm. up those two spots for there to be the new blood of people coming in for you know Grant Holloway to come in for you know. I mean, Holloway. Who's I think, coaching would- the Olympic team? Who's coaching the Olympic team next year? I don't know who is. Oh, Mike Hall. Hey, <laughs> I don't Good know point. if he's in charge of the relays. I don't know if he's in charge hey. of the relays, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, because go, let's go through again th- these four. You have Michael Norman, who's a 986 4306 split. So that guy, 100% is going to be on both teams if we could do this way. Grant Holloway, his 650 60. Kind of converts to a 999, so a sub 10. I mean, his 1298 converts to a 985. I don't think he's a 985 guy, but I think Grant Holloway is a sub 10 guy based on his 60, right? You got to assume that, mm-hmm. right? Well, so here's, he's another, here's another yeah. here, here, here's, here's another note about Holloway that I think is important before you move on when it comes to being on the 4x1. He was a part of very successful relay teams at Florida. How many yeah. big races, how many big races, how many high-pressure moments has Grant Holloway not delivered in during That's your time true. of watching him? 
Yeah. I can think of none. He always, always is good when it counts. And there's no, right? There's no bigger moment in terms of pressure if you're a U.S. sprinter than trying to get the stick around in the four by one final. Because it's not just your race, it's everybody's race. So I would feel good about putting him on a relay team. Now, I know the Olympics are a bigger stage than he's been on, but NCAA championships in hurdle events, NCAA championships in relay events, the world championships last year, he didn't, he doesn't blink. He doesn't blink. Yeah. So that would be an argument for Holloway beyond just his PRs. Keep going. Who else yeah. is on this team? So Holloway and Norman, I think, are both shown that they can hit the one and the four very well. So then Noah Lyles, obviously can hit, he can be a great in the four by one. So it's 31, 51, 300. If you look at the IWF point tables, that converts to a 44-6. His high school PB in a 4x4 is 45-4. The thing about Noah yeah. Lyles is he doesn't like the 400. He says it like, hey, man, don't – there was like a tweet from 2018 <laughs> saying, take me out of the conversation. I don't want to run no 4x4. So that is a factor. So if Noah Lyles is like, I'm out, then we got to replace Noah's leg in both the 4x1 and 4x4. So who are these people that could replace Noah Lyles' leg? I mean, again – we would have to convince Noah, hey, you're running the four by four in this hypothetical Gordon yeah, it's Kevin a hypothetical. experiment. Yeah, it's a hypothetical. But if we do, there's some other contenders out there that I think could fly, fit in. You have Rye Benjamin now, who's a 10.03. He split 43.5. Someone like Kenny Bednarik, who 10.14 in 100, he split 44.7. Mm-hmm. No, he has to run a 44.7 open. So Kenny B, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a great sub. He's a sub. 20, 200 guy, like you said, if you can run sub 20, you should be able to go up and down and put together elite marks. Coleman has run a 44 eight in college. So he could put on, mm-hmm. you could put him in a four by four and then Matthew bowling, right? Let's think about that. Matthew bowling. He's run a wind dated has- sub 10. He's run 10, 11 he's got range and he has the range. He split. Everyone remembers his four by four at Texas as a senior at, not mm-hmm. at Texas, uh, at Texas state as a senior, he's run 44, seven split. You could imagine bowling in two years. He, bowling could be a versatile guy the way Grant Holloway became by the time Grant Holloway graduated school. So I think six guys, seven guys, Norman, Lyles, Holloway, Benjamin, Bednarik, Bowling, and Coleman, you could take any of those four and make them run a 4 by one and a 4 by 4 and they would win gold in both. It's a good hypothetical. Yeah. Again, this isn't who wants to do it. This is could they do it? Could they do four by one and, and four by four in the same meet and and still win? I think the US four by one is just beginning to scratch the surface because the handoffs still aren't perfect all the time. And when they are, I think the margin would be much bigger than it than it has been. In terms of four by four, if you have Benjamin and a healthy Norman on your four by four team. Right, you could, you have some margin for error with the other two legs. They don't even need to be sub. They don't even need to be sub forty-four legs for 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 it to work. Yeah, you could have somebody run a forty-four mid, and and you would be fine. Now, would it be the fastest team that the U.S. could could put together? No, probably not. Right, not. But the the yeah the the experiment here, the debate here is just could they do both the four by one and the four by four. Um, so yeah, just so, an, just one of many interesting tidbits coming out 
of the AP Ranch High Performance Invite uh, number two, four. What are we on? Two, something like that. So take so take out the uh, the experiment, the having to do the four by one and four by four. In a world where we're most likely going to be entering with a Coleman-less Olympic four by one team, what's your four by one team right now? Seeing what Bromel has done, what now Norman just did, and with Coleman now most likely being out, what's your what's your relay leg order right now? Who I want to be on it or who I think will end up being on it? Like my prediction? Yeah, prediction. Uh, my oh, prediction no. you, in... Yeah, prediction. Yeah. Okay. In, in Tokyo, which is about a year away, um, I would say... Jeez. Well, Lyles is going to anchor. I feel good about that. Uh, Gatlin would be I leg feel like, two. I feel like Gatlin's going to finish in the top six. He'd be leg two. Bromel leading off. And then, man. Yeah, third, maybe. I, mean, I think Mike Rogers will find his way into the top, top six as well again too, right? I mean, maybe there's a... Maybe Gillespie will make the make the squad again and and drop his pb a little bit but i don't what know I like, yeah it's fun to what talk, I, it's fun to talk about holloway and norman being on there but what are the yeah. the odds of them obviously with holloway i think the chance of him being in a four by four is greater than a four by one just because it's i, I don't just i feel like people kind of scurry away from the four by four a little bit <laughs> And and that might leave some some and openings. There's a mixed four by four, so there's more. There's mixed four by four, so there's more slots. I just think that imagine if Holloway goes out and in the spring of 2020 run, he runs like a nine, eight nine. Yeah. In the hundred at the four relays, he's got to do it though. Yeah. But imagine he does that, right? Okay. And then I'm imagining we are. So he has a nine eight nine PR from July of 2020 uh, from April of 2021. Norman's PR is 986. And then we're at the Olympic final and the four by one goes and they lose. And USA is literally running a four by one with two nine, eight guys watching it who are yeah. at the meet, who are healthy, yeah. who had just won their individual event in the, in the Olympics, you know, just assume yeah. Michael Norman w- wins the 400 and Holloway wins the 110 hurdles. Do you think that would be kind of do you think USATF would be like, what are we doing here? Why are we not yeah. running these two nine eight guys? Yes. Will anyone in that I room think, talk no. about that elephant? Look, yeah, well, no. If he actually runs a nine eight in Florida relays, he will be considered. I think that's a whole different conversation. Because listen, do you know how many wind legal marks Grant Holloway has on Telus Depage's database? Zero. He has zero. He has a Windy 1015 uh 10.68 from 2015 from when he was in high school. So he has to run it in a regulation meet. I know he would be great at it, but he actually has to run it. Then I think it becomes a conversation. And then I would seriously think that they would do it. But I don't blame them for not putting a guy on the relay who literally hasn't run the event since 2015. Now he's run four by ones, that's fine, but you need a bit of an apples to apples comparison of Okay, this is this guy's PR. He is a not okay. He was on Florida's co- collegiate record team. That's great. We all understand that, and we know that he's good. But you need count. to, 
Yeah. And the six cents, you need to at least put one down and show where you stack up to everybody else. Oh, you're two tenths faster than this person or three tenths faster than that person. That's what Holly needs to do. If he does that at the Florida relays, like you said, then maybe in those early season relay meets, he shows up and he gets on these teams. Then I think it could happen. Right. But he, he's got to, he's got to put down that mark in the hundred first, which means maybe running one less hurdle race and, and becoming available for that four by one. I know this is all very exciting for you because this moves you one step closer to your ultimate goal of having Grant Holloway run every single race in the Olympics. So this would be a big moment for you. Yes. I'm moving towards that. I mean, he said that he thinks he, whatever race he does, he could be the best in the world at it. You know, even the, yeah. in the 1500 and the five K's like if I was a five K runner, I'm, I'd be the next coming of Mo Farah. That's what he says. I mean, I'm putting words in his mouth, I mean, but you know. <laughs> Look, I, I I would love to see it, but I also don't. I feel like they they could if he wants to do it, he could take steps to do it, and then if they still block him, then that's one thing. But anybody who wants to do it, who's not running that event as their main event, needs to lobby needs to run the event enough, needs to do everything they can to show that they are one of those top four people. They can't give any excuse for someone to choose somebody else. Because listen, if I was picking the team, it, it, that that's one thing. But if a, a coach is out there and their job is to, okay, I need to make sure we win gold, you're gonna wanna, you're gonna pick people who have run the event that year. I just, and, and you wanna keep the other people on the team happy as well too. Also, they ran pretty fast last year with Coleman, Lyles, Gatlin, and, and Rogers. Now, this is all depending on if Coleman can run next year, but I would think they'd almost want to run that team back if they could, just because they said, "Okay, it works. Let's not let's not change anything up." Now we don't. Now it's two years as opposed to to one year, so it's a lot different scenario. But yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm with you. He just has to actually run the event. Same thing if he wants to get on the four by four, he run run an open four by four. Show up to the Texas Relays, get on that USA team, and then lobby, 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 lobby. I'm sure you know he's got you as a as a megaphone to to advocate for this for the next year. But it's not enough to be, hey, I ran this time in college, I'd be good at it. I think track is a sport where you have to continually uh, prove your worth in in those events, especially when it's competitive. US Relay spots are, are hard to come by. And I mean, I guess all he has to do is run one race. Is that all he's got to do? Because Rye Benjamin only ran two four hundreds, and he was on the four yeah. by four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think it's a little different because with the four by four again, because it's at the end of the meet, you got fewer bodies there that are available. I mean, the four by ones at the end of the meet too, but it's it's a it's a grueling way to to end the meet, and also. When someone runs 4698 in the 400 hurdles, it's easy to be like, okay, they'd be really good in the 100. The 1298 over 110 hurdle, it's a harder conversion, basically, is what I'm saying. I think people had no problem figuring out that Rye Benjamin would be great in the in the open four. But he's got to do it. He's got to do it. Oh, wait. wait. I'm for it. Did, did Dalil Muhammad run an open four before she was selected to run the 4x4? Four four? Yeah. I forgot what she Did? ran, but she ran a she ran a she ran a four hundred last year. Yeah, uh, she ran fifty point six. Did Sydney run a four hundred? Fifty point six. Uh, last yeah, 
Yeah. She ran Actually, one four hundred. So they she ran one. She ran Muhammad, 50.7. Muhammad ran Yeah, and Muhammad ran three. Okay. And did so they, they I yeah. I don't know if I don't know if they ran those with the you know explicit purpose of saying, Hey, I want to run the four by four. Here's my mark. Consider me. I'm not sure if that's what they did or if they ran it just as training, but the effect was, Hey, Muhammad and McLaughlin should be on the four by four. And rightfully so they, they were on there and they belonged. Also, there's this tendency for, you know, the U S always wants to, they want to do multiple, they want to almost cycle out their entire team. Right. Or at least put three new people in for the final. Cause they want people running fresh, which is what, yeah. So it's like, and really, they want to they want to give you, Alex and Felix an extra gold. That's what they want to do. She didn't run it last year, so you can't you can't. She, did she run the pre, she ran the prelims? She ran the mixed gender four by four. I don't think she, she ran got the, a gold. Did she ran the prelims. Ran the prelims. Did she really run the prelims? Okay, anyway, but like, so here here's here's the scenario that usually comes up, right? Oh. There's one maybe the third the third U.S. person. Um doesn't make it out of the uh the semis in the four by four and then they just become easier to replace because you don't want to replace two finalists so then you have that person who went out in the semis you have them run the first round of the four by four and then you insert Ry benjamin or then you insert somebody else from a from a different event who's who's fresher and also who has higher upside because you've just seen this other person okay they made it in the semis they they ran 44 8 you know maybe they're a little tired not the best option so that that's typically how that that goes so if all it takes is holloway to run 100 and run a 400 early in the season he needs to he should do that he should do that if that's if he's interested in it. i know you're interested in it i know i'm interested in it just a question of is he interested in it yes I, I I was meant, I, I lost a little bit of you and you were talking and the audio stopped on me so I missed the beginning part of that but I think Basically, I, I what think I was we, saying was yeah the no, third fine. The, the, the people the heard third you. Per, no no I want I want you to hear it again I want you to hear it okay. again the third it's e I'm saying this you listening are you listening do you have your I'm headphones listening on now. it's time. easy to replace somebody who goes out in the semis of the open four it's easy to replace them in the relay right because then you have your Rye Benjamin coming off the bench who just got a medal in a different event, but they're fresher. It's really hard to replace somebody who just made the final of the open event, right? That's what I'm saying. And it seems like every year, not every year, a lot of times, you know, two of the three U.S. people make it through to the final, but then that leaves then two more spots. So that gives you a little bit of wiggle room to pull from people who either finished four, five, or six at USA's or from a different event. That's all I'm saying. On the topic of USA's, there will be no USA's this year. So you cannot use that as one of your 10 meets, Gordon. Can you use this as one of my 10 meets? Uh, Better get all done in Texas. I made a little jab at my fellow comrade in the running media of John Galt, Let's Run. Uh, He made a tweet about his reaction like the first time it's the first time there'll be no usa's since like ulysses ulysses oh man ulysses ulysses oh man it's bad i don't know how to say his name ulysses s grant Grant. president grant last time there hasn't been a usa since president grant and my reaction was your reaction to this news 
is proof that indoor is not a real sport because we had an indoor national championships, but mm-hmm. if you don't have an outdoor, you say you don't have a USA's. So this proves that indoor isn't a real sport, that it's a fake championship because the reaction of the not mm. being an outdoor championship is what people care about. You know, not maybe if there's no indoor championship. Maybe he should have said it's the first time there's been no outdoor championship since Ulysses Grant. 1876. Yeah, but you didn't say that. A- you didn't say that, though. He said a USA's championship, which proves that there's no indoor uh, love, Olympics. which I agree with. I we mean, there's the- no indoor Olympics. You know, great quote. We do know that. 1876, though, that's a long time. If I, I would have gotten that way off on a trivia question, I would have thought uh, it was much more recent. But yeah, they decided not to go forward with this meet. I don't know what that means in terms of what athletes are going to do. I don't know anybody who's building their season around it necessarily because it was going to be in September, if I'm remembering correctly. It would have been maybe a chance for Hayward to make its debut. Uh, I don't know if they would have done it at Mount Sac after what happened with the Olympic trials bid. So what's left of the U.S. track season now? What do we have left? You know, Potentially these sunset tour meets, there's some one-off mile races. There obviously is what's going on in Oregon with the Bowerman Track Club meets and the Pete Julian organized meets, but there's not much left of a U.S. season at this point. Yeah. I mean, there isn't, I mean, there's like a couple, like the music city distance carnival, if that's still going on, you have sunset tour, you have the time trial meets, but then the rest of the meets are all international. You still have the diamond league that's starting up in August and you have the Mm -hmm. continental tour just starting up in August. So that's two different international, but none of them are U S based. None of them are even close to the U S they're all over out in Europe. So uh, yeah, there's not really going to be a, I mean, let's hope we got to hope the sunset towards that, right? Let's hope that Jesse Williams put together mm-hmm. a great field. I saw the schedule. He had some sprint events on there as well. So maybe he'd be able to draw some of these. Got to get your Nike 10. Got to get your 10. <laughs> he did. He did retweet from the, uh, from his brand's running account, Michael Norman's hundred. So maybe we'll get Michael Norman in a 400 at the sunset tour. He's from California, maybe. I mean, I don't know, but that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm not reporting this. That's a shorter trip <laughs> than going to Texas to, to run a yeah. 250. Uh, man, going to Texas, the middle of Texas to run a 250 in the summer. That is an interesting thing to explain. I wonder how many athletes are going to go international and if from the United States. And if they don't, if U.S. athletes really aren't going in any sort of numbers – what that means for for the diamond league i think we're going to see because every year there's usually one or two diamond leagues that aren't well attended by americans because maybe the proximity to, to usa's and it definitely takes a hit and we don't know what the travel situation is going to be like for athletes from from other countries it'd be I'm great for alonzo edward it's gonna be great for alonzo yes, edward <laughs> Yeah, he's going to be crushing it. Christoph Lamette, come on down. You're going to be getting some some wins out there. Who's the Swiss guy who's always there? There's like some random Swiss oh, guy. Swiss Alex sprinter. Wilson. Yeah, there you Alex go. Alex Wilson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and Swiss women, Kambunji, maybe she gets uh, she gets some, some wins, racks up some prize money. I don't know what this is going to look like. It's what, August and September, but then they're going all the way to October too. 
right? The beginning of October is going to be the the end of this thing. I know pre got canceled. It was supposed to be in October, but it's a, it's a decent amount of meats. I just wonder how many people are going to be really in it, really committed because it's been so herky jerky. It's Olympics are coming, go real hard, then stop. Then, okay. Picking things are picking up again. Then, then stop. I can see a uh, field event, field event athletes will go. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, you know who definitely will go will go is like someone like Christian Taylor because if he doesn't go, it would look bad because he's the one complaining about the Diamond League dropping his event, right? So if like they put yeah, on yeah. an event and he decides not to show up, they'll be like I mean, he has a he's an incredible excuse because there's a pandemic, but you know, I'm sure World Athletics would be like, "Hey, you're going to dunk on us for not having your event, but then we put on your event five times, you don't show up those five times." But so I think Christian, Christian Taylor will show up at least. It's a weird year. Well, what what is someone what is someone like Mondo? There's only one Mondo. What does Mondo do? Because Mondo was going hard in indoor season. Then he going hard in the had to, garden clashes. Well, exactly, exactly. Then did all that stuff, did the did the impossible games. But he's been going at a high level now since you know, for six, seven months now, because he was setting world records at the beginning of the year back when we thought there was going to be an Olympics this year, is he going to want to tune, you know, turn it back up and then start going again and then going into an Olympic year? Or is he just basically saying my, my, my season's done. I think we're going to see a very, it's going to be a mix between those years when there's like a bunch of diamond league meets after the major championships or Olympics. And everyone's like, wait, why is the season still going on? And a non-championship year when a lot of people just opt out entirely. I think that's what we're going to see. So there could be some it's going to be really, really uh, hard to, to parse out until we actually see start lists about what what people's goals are with this. Like, what if the, there's still a freeze, right, on marks from World Athletics, and there's still a freeze on yeah. rankings from World Athletics? Well, we do. What's we'll be able to know other we'll than your ten races. Know, yeah, we'll be able to know from this Texas meet. When we look up all these top, you know, the Daniel Roberts of this world, Gatlins and Kenny Benericks and all the Shikari Richardsons and all the the women over at Tiana Daniels, I can go on and on. All the Nike athletes, right? We could probably, after, this is another meet on Thursday, after that meet, we'll be able to see if all of them have 10 results to their name yeah. in 2020, yeah. we know they're done because there's no reason they're going to run the 10th time. Like, they're running to shut down their season if they run 10. Yeah. Now, maybe they run eight or nine and that means they're leaving out an opportunity to like hey one more run in september or go to the uh the california meet uh, sunset tour in august so maybe they're saving one last race i mean i don't know though yeah. what i'll be interesting to count up their race totals after this thursday meet maybe what maybe what they're doing is saying hey let's just get to 10 as an insurance policy that way if something happens with travel i can still keep my contract and I'll be fine. Right. Or if I get injured, then I at least have 10 under my belt. I'm looking at the, the so this is what's on tap for Thursday in terms of events at this meet. 60, 150, 300 meters, 300 meter hurdles and 500. If LaShawn Merritt is entered in the 300 meter hurdles, just so we can get his 10th race. I think we can assume that his, can, he's going to shut it down after that. Maybe Ryan Benjamin's going to go for uh, a world record. Oh, try to break up. What's his name? 
Warholm's Warholm's Wrecker. Yeah, could be. What's what's normal? I mean, th- th- this isn't a coincidence, right? That this is in Texas, right after a meet that was in Texas a few days ago. Well, it's also not a coincidence that literally the California Nike athletes and the Florida Nike athletes picked up the phone, called the Texas Nike athletes. Hey, can we meet you guys halfway? Let's do this. And then is that what like, happened? See, our- this is this is good. Stuff I mean, that's what happened. I'm I'm sure the Nike athletes were like, hey. Are we going to have to have a bunch of Florida meets and a bunch of California meets and a bunch of Texas meets? Let's just get this all done in middle of July. And then they're going to go to, I don't know what you do. They're going to go float San Marcos river, you know, and call it, call it, call it a year. Well, okay. So then the, the one on July 30th has real events, hundred high hurdles, 200, 400, 400 hurdles, 600, and a long jump and a triple jump. And then there's one on August 6th that has those same events again, except it has an 800 for the men instead of a 600. It looks to me like, yeah, they're just trying to get the silly stuff out of the way. And then if people want to compete on top of that, then they can they can run fast. But if you're Norman and you're going to run it, what are you going to run after that? You're going to run it. You're, you're going to get a 60 PR. You're going to run a 150 this week, a 300, a 500, maybe. You can do all those, I guess. They should have, instead of doing these 150s and like 250s, they should, they should have, no, they should have all gone, gone retro and just make it all 100 meter, 100 yards, 200 yards, 400 mm-hmm. yards, and they could break all those world records, right? Because I'm sure. The records are trying to break are from like the 1920s. So hey, take that bunch of like people who are running barefoot, you know, with no yeah, with way after, tracks. Way after Ulysses S. Grant was president. Yeah, way so, after as you know Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> you did it that time. You did. I did. It. I, did. I kind of I said it quietly though because I wasn't sure if I did it right. So I kind of just like let's sneak this in and see if I can have a better speech impediment. Uh, last last there's a meet going. There's, yeah, there's yeah, me going it, on go. tonight, right? Go, me going on tonight. Go. Yes. Bowerman Track Club, part three, the awakening. That's what we call it. <laughs> what? Part three, the awakening. I'm, yeah, you got to add like a, you know, you have electric boogaloo, Deuce Bigelow, like, what's it? <laughs> Deuce Bigelow, male Breaking Chicolo. two, the uh, electric boogaloo. That's called Breaking Two Electric Bugaloo, whatever. You got to give <laughs> it a name. Just keep going. They're running going, a 600. Please. They're running 600s. 1500s and four by fours. Literally, this is going to be Are they a trying to get workout 10? designed as a track meet. Like that's basically what it is. It's like we're doing a we're doing a a hard six. Like you literally, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't know, but I'm guessing Jerry was like, "All right, today's workout is you guys are gonna do a hard 600. Then you're gonna have 30 second, 30 minutes rest. Then you can do a." You're gonna half of you are gonna do another uh an easy 800 pace. One of you's gonna do hard 1500, whatever. And then you're gonna do two four by two 400s to cap it off. So you create this weird workout and then called it a meet and called them races. That's all this is. Because isn't isn't uh isn't the 1500 first though? Okay, yeah, I don't know the order, but like maybe for some people well, they're on the they run a 600 of the 1500 to do like a six two by 600 i don't know i'm making things up in my head but i don't know what? who is the who if it's going to be like are Shelby's we going to be seeing 1500 yeah but are we going to be Shelby. seeing 402 1500s 
or 355 1500s? Are we going to see 339 1500s or 334 1500s? You know, like, what are they trying to do? Well, well, for the women, you have Houlihan in there. You have Schweizer the in there. The entire team's in there. They're and all in everyone. No, they're not. No, because like Kate Grace isn't in there. And for the men, you're missing the two best 1500-meter runners in the group, which is Centro and Josh Thompson. So you don't have everybody. And what I would make a splash? Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. At least on the men's side of things, it it appears to be that way. And this one was a quicker turn, like not a quicker turnaround, but it was you know you're coming off the heels of those crazy five thousands. I thought number three would be a little bit of a, a reset before we really get excited for number four, even more awakening awakened uh, on the last one, but. I don't know. I'm willing to. I'm willing to watch it. I'm willing to check it out because they always exceed expectations. And if it turns out to just be a workout, that would be kind of a bummer. What if I told but you? I won't. Okay. The Bowerman athletes are sponsored by Nike, and they need ten races. We have the same contract <laughs> as the other Nike athletes. And then you get well, those ten would... races. So that's but why they they're running hit... a four by four. That's why they're they running a they six hundred. But they don't hit ten races that often, do they? Even in regular years, or does it does it get you know waved if you make a? Oh, okay, yeah. Still, they don't race that. Who would much. be someone? Who would be someone that Shelby? Let's say Shelby didn't race a lot, right? No, look at like like Frerichs, right? A couple of years ago, didn't race a ton. I'm looking at Mohamed just because he's in the uh, top of mind right now because it was twelve forty seven. So Shelby ran one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight. But then if you count in heats, they get to ten. Yeah, but clearly they don't race. care. Why? But clearly they don't care that much about it because that'd be risky. <laughs> Ahmed did one in twenty nineteen. Ahmed did one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, and then he did the rabbiting, or he DNF. So he did exactly ten. I think there might be. Are there different rules for distance runners than there are for sprinters in the minimum amount of races? I don't know, but maybe that's why they count. Maybe they count rabbited races as races. You're like, oh, a DNF. It's a it's a race. Yeah, I don't know, but yes. Perhaps that's what the what the situation is. Frerix last year did four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. This is cutting it awfully close. Oh, but and then in twenty eight, there is anyone that's I only know. run like maybe Centro. Well, in so 20, Centro's can, Centro about to get dropped 20, by Nike because he hasn't run yet. No, I don't think he needs. I think if you have a gold medal, you can do whatever you want. Uh, in twenty eighteen, Frerix had eight. In 2017, she had six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. This, you're right. This is suspiciously around ten. <laughs> I, I, I think I think we're onto something here. It's like, well, exactly. here's the question. Yeah, I mean, I look at Centro in 2019. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. But you could take out. The two prelim ones, you know, they're at right at ten. Because I'm not sure if prelims count, you know. Maybe you get to. Well, I'm counting it. Uh, Woody can. Oh wait, no, it's not twelve. It's it's eleven because 
the three Ks. Are, no, it's it's ten exactly because the fifteen hundred and the three K are are uh, in route to the mile and the five K. So he Central ran one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten races. They're all running ten to eleven races. In twenty nineteen, Woody Kincaid ran eight. He ran eight in 2019. Maybe what you do is you finish your season, like you go to USA's or you go to Worlds or you go to the Olympics, and then if you're not at ten, you just run the Fifth Avenue Mile. You you just you fill in your schedule until you get to ten. Maybe that's it. Or you so, you know run run a Thanksgiving Day race or something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe six hundred. Yeah, um, yeah, some turkey trot. Did they get turkey trot in there? <laughs> 600s, 1500s, and 4x4s tonight. Now, distance 4x4s, that's where it's at. Are they doing a 2x2x4, two by two by or is it a I think, no, I think it says mixed 4x4, four four, so I think they're just going to be like, hey, you guys are going to do a 2x400 with 60 seconds rest. Go. <laughs> and well, and it says... Do. And and the lane assignments here: 2017 BTC, 2018 BTC, 2015 BTC, and 2016 BTC. Ooh, so they're so doing they're it like by when they join the team. Yeah, I'm guessing that's that's when it is. So t- who would 20, 2018 would be Fisher, right? No, he was 2019, right? Yeah, 2019. So that'd be Schweizer. Schweizer would be 2018, correct? Yeah. McGordy would be 2018 as well, too. Okay. Well, that's a, it's an interesting not... wrinkle to it. Wrinkle in time, man. Wrinkle in time. All right. We'll leave it this there. This is a great pod, Flush... man. This is a great pod. I enjoyed it. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. We learned a lot. We no lows. Have a lot of except questions. for when I can't say a president's name correctly. I don't even bother trying to say that ever again. Yeah. Uh, if anybody knows about the contracts, send us an email, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We will see you guys tomorrow.